not for the foreigners. They were unclean. They were idol-worshiping. They stood for everything that Israel abhorred. And so we're going to address that problem in Jonah's life. And God had to discipline Jonah and all of Israel by inserting the book of Jonah in the Old Testament to challenge redemptive racism and show them the gospel is for the nations. Another discipline for Jonah was the plant. If you're familiar with the story, a plant grew up over Jonah, and Jonah loved the plant. We could call it his happy plant. We all know how it feels to have a nice air conditioner that works in a hot day. But Jonah had a misplaced concern. When the Lord challenged him, oh, you didn't plant the plant, you didn't make the plant grow, but you're angry about the plant, why aren't you concerned about the 120,000 Ninevites? But you're just worried about this plant. Misplaced concern was another disciplinary action that the Lord wanted to teach Jonah, his people, and through him, all of us. As we go through our message today, I would like you to prepare to answer these little quiz questions. So it's going to be a little bit interactive out there. Don't get too comfortable. I'm going to be asking you to reply a few times. What does the sign of Jonah have to do with the languages of the nations and the peoples? Two, what does this translated phrase, Jo'un Chuyuju, have to do, and how does it partially fulfill the sign of Jonah? That's Chinese. Anyone understand that language here? I haven't studied that one yet. How does the sign of Jonah give us an anchor to show how the Lord is inescapably present with us. Be looking for those as we go through. We've all probably experienced discomfort in cross-cultural language situations. Some of you have traveled, done short-term missions, international business. Some of you have done long-term living in other countries and cultures. And it's not easy. Jonah was challenged with a, on a number of levels it made him very uncomfortable. God told him to go to Nineveh and speak against the city because the cry had risen up from them that uh, similar phrases that they're going to become under the Lord's judgment. So Jonah, go and warn the Ninevites that my judgment is coming. 550 miles, which isn't an easy trip by any means, to Nineveh. Instead, Jonah is willing to take the 2,500-mile journey to Tarshish, the opposite direction. God said, go east, Jonah heads west. Language barrier, Jonah's a Hebrew speaker. Ninevites speak Assyrian, Aramaic. This culture is unclean. Jonah is used to what we sometimes refer to as kosher food, ceremonial clean food, the right kinds of food, the right kinds of meat, prepared the right kinds of ways. Jonah, you can imagine, he's not going to all the kosher hotels on the way to Nineveh. He's got some problems just getting there, and then after he gets there, he's around all these idol-worshiping, unclean people. But then an even bigger resistance we could call Redemptive racism. God only saves Abraham's 
children, children of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 sons of Jacob, and their descendants who are called Israel. So we could imagine Jonah in great fear. What if I go and the king kills me for saying God's going to destroy your city? What if uh, Jonah is a prophet in the northern kingdom during the time of the divided kingdom under the reign of Jeroboam II in the north? There's only one reference outside of Jonah to Jonah's work, and it says Jonah prophesied that Jeroboam would enlarge his borders to their original capacity in 2 Kings 14.25. So we've got Jonah telling his own king, look, good things are happening under your rule. Now, what's he going to think when Jonah marches off to a nearby country who could later become an invading army, and it does 50 years later becomes an invading army to the northern kingdom? Jonah's life could be in danger just for going. Jeroboam hears about that, another problem. I've had my share also of discomfort, adjusting to language, even after 25 years. It's not easy to live in a foreign country. I've had people in my office, very uh, difficult emotional situations, struggling in a marriage. I had a couple in my office, the husband very angry, and he's shouting, and we have glass walls in our office, and the staff are sitting out there. They're hearing all this, and they understand what he's saying, but I don't. He's saying, he says it about 10 times. I'm like... That's probably pretty important. He said it 10 times in a very angry voice. But see, this guy comes from the world of finance, and he's using a finance term. And I've studied all these Bible words and theology terms. You know, if you've learned language, you know they kind of come in groups. Well, finally, after about 15 times, he says, it's not worth it. He translates for himself in English. And I get it. Oh, yes. Now I understand you think your marriage isn't worth it, that God isn't worth it, and your life isn't worth it. And we had some big issues to talk about. Another time, I'm in mainland China in a house church seminary location, and the, the dean of that school says, oh, you're, you're a trained counselor. How about if you meet with all of our students one-on-one -on -one and talk to them about their personal problems? I'm like please. No. Why? Well, because they come from all these different provinces in China. And guess what? They don't speak the same accent as they do in Taipei. So I'm sitting down. They're pouring out their heart. They're crying in tears. And then they look at me and say, Pastor Yates, what do you think I should do? And I got about 20% of all they just said. That's tough. And that's very uncomfortable. And I'm just crying out to the Lord, what do I do and what do I say? Let's pray. Because <laughs> I don't know, the Holy Spirit's going to have to do something. Or when I first got to Taiwan, I'm ready to help and serve. I get to church one day, the pianist says, my stomach isn't feeling very well. You know, I think I have one of those things where I might have to run quickly to the bathroom, you know. And uh, she says, can you go to the local drugstore and pick me up some medicine? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I want to help. And so I get to the drugstore, realize there's no English labels on any of the medicine. 
Now, do I act out the word for diarrhea to try to get that person? I won't go there. Okay. <laughs> really happened. Okay. So, uncomfortable language situations can happen to all of us. So you're going to have a little group exercise right now. Not about diarrhea. Um, <clears throat> no. Uh, a lot of you have studied a foreign language, or you know a little bit of a foreign language. So I want you to, or even your mother tongue might not be English, so I want you to turn to the person sitting next to you and say hello or good morning in a different language. Now I'll give you a second, because you might have gotten rusty with your French or your German if you studied that 40 years ago. Uh, but if you don't know any foreign language, then say hello or good morning in a different accent of English, like you're from Boston or from North Carolina. Okay? <laughs> Ten seconds. Go. All right, time's up. Well, I assume there's probably uh, some of the 10 uh, most common languages of the world represented out there today. Ni hao ma, or have you eaten today, uh, is a common way to greet one another in Chinese. Today, we're going to look at the sign of Jonah. And our first point is, we're going to define what is this sign of Jonah that Jesus describes in Matthew 12. Let's first read that text. Chapter 12, verse 39 to 41. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus says, this story of Jonah, I'm going to use it as a sign, a sign of the prophet Jonah, or you could call it a parable story. That doesn't mean Jonah was historical, was fiction, was a fable. It was a real historical event, and Jesus speaks of it in that way. As Jonah was three days, I will be three days. That's not a fable. As Nineveh repented at preaching of Jonah, this generation has not repented. Those are real historical events. Jesus uses Jonah's true historical experience as a way to show how he fulfilled these themes. So what does that look like in Jonah's case? For Jonah, the parable themes look like this. True story, judgment to a foreigner despising prophet, facing God's wrath, thrown into the waves, a temporary fish tomb, he's vomited by the fish onto dry land, angrily goes to Nineveh to warn foreigners of God's judgment. He doesn't give them a whole lot of grace. He says, 40 days from now the city will be overthrown. And Nineveh, I'm not sure if they knew that, whether that meant a military invasion or the direct judgment of the hand of God, but they, they all repent, amazingly. And even the sailors, when the sea becomes calm after they toss them into the sea, they start worshiping the God of Jonah. Everybody seems to be on the right page except Jonah. And, of course, Israel. Why? Because the book of Jonah is put in 
the Old Testament for all the Israelites to read. It's there to teach Jonah about their redemptive racism and, again, all of Israel about their redemptive racism and God's mercy even to those idol-worshiping foreigners who you don't like. But there's a second, or you could say a continuing chapter, the way Jesus then fulfills chapter 1 of Jonah's parable story. He is rejected by the Jews. He is sent to the cross to endure the seas of God's wrath for three days in the tomb. Death vomited him out to resurrection life. He ascended into heaven and sits now at God's right hand. And then we have a chapter 2, a continuing story of Jesus, where he sends a few spirit-filled messengers to the believing, repenting foreigners. He sends Peter to Cornelius. He sends Paul on a mission to all the Gentiles. And now he wants to use us as part of that continuing story. We are the signs of Jonah reflecting God's merciful presence to the world. We're supposed to be speaking and representing the mercy of God. So let's take a moment then and consider, back up again, those are the three main points. Now we're going to go back through and practice them a little bit. And you're going to be interacting with me on this because our key point is found in Jonah chapter 2 and verse 9. Salvation comes from the Lord. And when I say Jonah's salvation, I want you all to say, comes from the Lord. Ready? Jonah's salvation. Comes from the Lord. Israel's salvation. Comes from the Lord. That's the main point. But Jonah didn't get it. Even though he confessed that in the belly of the whale, he's still not connecting the dots. Yes, salvation comes from the Lord for us. But he still goes angrily to Nineveh. He still waits outside the city, hoping that God's going to judge them instead of leading them to repent. So what's the point of Jonah to Israel? I will discipline your anger at my mercy to foreigners. And so we see Jonah getting disciplined. Yeah, not easy. Uh, being tossed overboard from a, a ship in the high seas, swallowed by a fish for three days. spit out on dry land, and then experiencing all those discomforts of travel and then going to a foreign city where his life was probably in danger, as he thought. All to show Jonah, all to show Israel, salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah, your salvation comes from the Lord. Israel, your salvation So the next slide then shows you a, a little graphic of Jonah's resistance, the wind, the waves. You see, when you read through chapter 1, you see all these things about the Lord did, what the Lord did. It said, the Lord hurled a great wind. Jonah, you're not getting away. My presence, even though you're a rebel prophet, you deserve my justice, my wrath, my merciful presence is still with you, even though it doesn't look like that in the high seas. Nobody died in that boat. My merciful presence to discipline and bring you back around to what I want you to do. Go to your enemies, warn them by judgment. No. 
says Jonah. Just judge our enemies and your enemies. Well, it says the sailors, as they're in this wild, raging ocean with the wind, they call Jonah up from below and say, call on your God, what's going on? They draw lots and say, who's responsible? And it says the lot fell on Jonah. Again, it doesn't say the Lord did it, but we can read all through Scripture. Proverbs says the falling of the lot is from the Lord. The Lord made the lot fall on Jonah because now he's got to open his mouth and say, what's going on? Oh, guess what, guys? I worship the God who made the seas. Oops, we're in a boat. Then they all try to save the ship and throw everything overboard, except uh, Jonah says, throw me overboard. A fish swallows Jonah. Uh, He prays in the belly of the fish. Jonah chapter 2 cries out. The Lord hears him. Uh, Another, again, another amazing sign of the, the presence of God. Even in the belly of this fish, he says, I know you can hear me from your temple. The presence of God, even with a rebel prophet. How much more will he be with us who are seeking to serve and obey and please him? Here, God's merciful, disciplining presence, following after Jonah all the days of his life to teach him and grow him up into a merciful prophet. Jonah, your salvation comes from the Lord. Israel, your salvation. The fish spits him out when he finally says that. Salvation comes from the Lord in chapter 2, verse 9. He should have gotten the picture there. I mean, maybe what he meant was, yeah, for Israel, salvation comes from the Lord for us. So he doesn't quite get it that the Ninevites are included in this picture. And so he goes to Nineveh, preaches three days. Uh, They do repent. The sailors repent. All the people who you would think are the bad guys in the story look like the good guys. And the guy who's supposed to be the good guy looks like the bad guy. What's going on? Jonah then goes outside the city waiting, hoping God will judge the city. Plant grows up. But it says what? The Lord caused the plant to grow. The Lord sent an angry bug. You guys have gardens. You know all about angry bugs. And the plant died. And Jonah is angry about the plant. And God says, why are you so angry about this little thing about your comfort your misplaced concern about the plant when I'm concerned about 120,000 Ninevites. Noah, what, what, where's your scale operating right now about what's important in life? So Jonah didn't get it. Jonah was a prophet, but he really didn't get it. So now you have a chance to practice with the veggie tales. Jonah was a prophet, but he really never got it. And if you watch him, you can spot it. He did not get the point.
was a prophet. Ooh, ooh. But he really never, never got it. Sad but true. If you've been watching, you can spot it. A doodly-doo. He did not get the point. Compassion and mercy from me to you and you to me. Exactly what God wants to see. And yes, that is the point. Jonah was a prophet. Ooh, ooh. But he really never got it. Sad but true. If you've been watching, you can spot it. A doodly-doo. He did not get the point. Set sail on a pirate ship in a dreadful gale. Got eaten up by a giant whale. Was managed not to be dead. You think he would learn a lot from being saved from an awful spot? But the second chance that he had got, he didn't want to be spread. So poor old Jonah, and now he's all alone. Gotta use a megaphone to get it through to his head. Inside a large aquatic mammal, but all the same, like Jonah, there is something you can do. Everyone deserves to get a second chance from you. Compassion and mercy from me to you and you to me. Exactly what God wants to see, and yes, that is the point. Jonah was a prophet, ooh ooh, but he really never got it. Sad but true. Jonah was a prophet, ooh ooh, but he really never got it. Sad but true. Jonah was a prophet. Beg your pardon? Veggie Tales. Well, Jonah didn't get it. What didn't he get? Jonah's salvation. Israel's salvation. Sailor's salvation. Ninevite's salvation. Our salvation. And so the sign of Jesus fulfilling this prophecy, he, the one crucified, that we might be forgiven, he raised from the dead. He said, Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah. They will rise up and condemn this hard-hearted generation who heard the preaching of Jesus. A greater Jonah is here. But that's not where the story ends. And so we see the resurrected Jesus sending his apostles, sending Saul on the road to Damascus, appearing to him revealing himself in Christ and Paul then repenting and being sent to the Gentiles, it says. I will make him a light to the Gentiles. And so the whole second, chap, the whole second half of Acts, all about Paul and Barnabas going to the foreign nations to minister God's mercy. These were the willing prophets, the apostles of Christ filled with the Spirit. Peter in Jerusalem, he's got it, filled with the Spirit, speaking in tongues. All these, who? The Jews have come to Jerusalem. So we're speaking in their languages that they've learned outside of Jerusalem, but these are the Jews. So Peter doesn't quite get it yet until chapter 10. God sends him to Cornelius, an unclean home according to Jewish standards, and says, Go who I tell you to go to, and he goes. He's the willing prophet, another example in the New Testament, whom we should follow. 
So about for us, what do we do today? We're the continuing chapters that Jesus sends into all the world. What's the mission of LEFC? To make disciples of Jesus Christ in our oikos. What does that mean? Our circle, our relationships, our friends, our neighbors, the household. Whoever we're connected with. Sometimes that means traveling internationally. Sometimes that means going across the backyard. We are the sign of Jonah to the nations, bringing the message of mercy. We're the ambassadors of mercy to the nations. So you who are young people, children, school, age, you don't have to be all grown up and be a missionary to be sent out to another country. Are there people in your school who don't speak English very well? That's a tough barrier to cross. Maybe you could pray about learning a new language and how God might teach you to use that language to speak to people from another country who might be immigrating to Lancaster County. You already participate in international missions. You send us, as well as many other missionaries all over the world, to be the signs of Jonah to the nations. Even here within Lancaster County, the Church World Services, great international work with the refugees. Bible translation work, bringing the gospel to all the nations. Chinese, salvation comes from the Lord. Chinese people, your salvation comes from the Lord. Why can I say that? Because we've been sent as the sign of Jonah to learn Chinese, to live among the Chinese, and to be the signs of Jonah to them. Thanks to your support, your prayers, and sending. There's another theme that we could pick up on here in terms of the sign of Jonah. Jonah went to a difficult place. And so sometimes the sign of Jonah for us means ministering to those who might be, have harmed us in the past, whose ethnicity is different from us. Maybe there's a mutual dislike or a distrust. Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. You can find principles for this in the Peacemaker and RW360 website. But in the family, you could read a book like Come Back Barbara, where a pastor and his wife, their daughter, left the church in her college years, lived with her boyfriend, got involved in drugs, hurt her parents in many, many ways. And what did they learn? They summarize it in this book. They say, we learned about kingdom praying, not giving up, claiming the promises. Salvation comes from the Lord for our daughter. And they learned about proactive love because they had been hurt so many times it would be so easy for them to say, we've had it. You keep being rude to us. You keep rejecting every effort we make to be kind to you. That didn't get to their hearts. And they said, Lord, let love cover a multitude of our daughter's sins. And they kept loving and heaping coals on her head. And she came eventually back to Christ with her boyfriend who they got married and became a youth pastor in their church. 
Barbara, your salvation. George McKay went to northern Taiwan. They didn't like him there. He built churches with tall steeples. And you know what that means? The feng shui is bad. The geomancy that throws off the good luck and the positioning of buildings. And that's what they believed. George McKay, you're a bad guy. You're a bad foreigner, a foreign devil, they called him, in the late 1800s. They throw stones at him. And one day they had a riot and uh, only about uh, 10 minutes away from where we live in Taipei. He had this church in Xindian. They tore the church down. I mean, what's a foreigner going to do? I mean, that's the time to pack up and leave, right? Not George McKay. He went to the Mandarin who was in charge of the city. And he said, you had a riot, tore down my, my church. He, the Mandarin said, oh, well, we need to make that right. So they paid him for reparations. What did he do? He goes back and he builds a bigger church with a taller steeple. He single-handedly turned the northern uh, half of Taiwan uh, to favoring foreigners because of his medical ministry, because of his educational ministry, and for preaching the gospel. Persevering in the sign of Jonah. And the Mosaic Miracle by Stephen Beck, another wonderful book about how in Germany, Arabs, uh, Iraqis, Sudanese, all these countries who normally would be considered Europe's enemies, even terrorists, are coming and looking for churches, and they're doing quadlingual worship services in Germany because all of these Iraqis and Iranians and Egyptians and these people from all over the world are coming to Germany in the immigration flood, and God is using them in a special way to be the sign of Jonah. Today, you see these tables. Visibly, the sign of Jonah is with us today. Jesus says, this is my body given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. The sign of his mercy to us in the cup and in the bread. It's, you're hearing it today in English. Do you recognize that? If I talk to you in Chinese, you won't understand, but this is the gospel. We have our own language, our own Bible in English, and the gospel comes to us in a language we can understand and says, this is my body given for you. Now if I ask you to do something, will you do it? I've given my body for you. How can you not be the sign of Jonah to the nations? Let's pray. Our God, we need you in Jesus. We need the Spirit's work to change us and transform us into your likeness to make us the signs of Jonah, reflecting your merciful presence wherever you send us. You have given all for us. Thank you. We cannot repay it is a gift of grace that we have become children through faith and received the Spirit, and we foreign Gentiles have shared in the promises given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Thank you for those who have been the signs of Jonah to us, and may we then receive your mercy and be that to others. In Jesus' name.
Let's pray together. So Jesus, we are truly thankful that you lived out a life that we knew and can now understand was the life that was intended from the beginning for us to all be able to live and experience. And because of the sins of the garden with Adam and Eve, we are fallen. We're depraved. But that didn't stop you and the Father from loving that which you created in your own image. And that set forward a plan that you would ultimately reconcile us back to yourself through your sacrifice, Jesus. And we say thank you for that. And we're thankful that today, when we walk out these doors, we don't leave your presence. We will continue to walk in it. When we run into barriers as we begin to share of our faith or we live out things that are just strange to the rest of the world, you're there with us. You're even there with those who are wicked and, and despise you now. You're there with them, and you are going to bring signs before them to show that there is a loving God that they are walking in denial of. And Lord, I just ask that you would then bring into those situations the revelation of your goodness found in Jesus Christ. So be with us as we walk out today. May we acknowledge your presence no matter what we do. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Would you stand, please? Wherever your feet may take you today, tomorrow, or the days ahead, may you know that you can't run from God. Jonah tried to go 2,500 miles the wrong direction. God was still there. He started going in the right direction, but with the wrong attitude, God was still there. And he wishes to continue to reveal himself every day to us. So take stock and notice the moments when you can actually see, yes, God is here with me. And walk by the power of his love and his presence. And by the truth found in his word through the help of the Holy Spirit. Be blessed this week knowing he's with you. Amen. You're dismissed.